This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. Have Mr. Paul DeHoff on this morning. And, uh, of course, you eat with us just about every morning over at uh, Sylvan Park. And uh, we were talking this morning, and I thought, you know, it would be good if we could talk about the DeHoff publications and the and the, all the things that you have available for the people who live in the community. Uh, and you you brought a number of uh, names of the churches that do business with you, and the predominant uh, group was the Church of Christ. But you didn't say anything about the... Um, the uh, organs and the pianos that that you sell there. Yeah, we we do have pitch pipes. If yeah. That counts, but, oh, that, but, uh, would that be a? I guess it would be kind of a musical just instrument. Just be a tone, you know, like yeah. If you had an Accutron watch, I think that's an F sharp or something. But <laughs> you know, I haven't heard anybody use one of those in years. Yeah. I can't even remember all the way back to when I belonged to. The Science Hill Church of Christ many, many years ago. Uh, uh, one of the uh, song leaders, he, he would always do the little mmm before he started singing to make sure that he was, I guess, using the right key or whatever. Yeah, well, if you start a song too high and it goes up very high, then you're going to lose your most of your people. Yeah. And if you start it too low, then you got the sopranos trying to sing bass down there, and that's not good. So you want to have it pretty close to the pitch it's supposed yeah. to be. Well, one of the organ uh, makers around here uh, who is one of the best in the country, you know, when he first came here, um, he uh, put out a lot of flyers to the churches so that if they needed organs, he could build them for him, yeah. for them. And uh, guess what? The most of all the churches were the Church of Christ. He did not realize at the time that they were not using musical instruments. Yeah, they they just do a cappella singing uh, without oh, instruments. Oh, I love it too. Oh, I love a cappella. When mm-hmm. you have the ladies that are singing, usually on one side, and the guys are singing. The, the The ladies are much better singers than the guys are. But we have three or four. Um, David Mitchell. Oh, he's got such a strong voice, and I I love to hear him sing. But uh, um, there's nothing like Sunday morning and, and when you're all there and the singing begins and you love to hear the, the service. But uh, you guys, you do everything. Uh, you, uh, you have uh, the, the flag of our country. Flag shop, yeah. Yeah. And you're also able to find... What about the uh, poles that hold the flag? Yeah, we have we have some poles in stock, and we've sold out of some, and we can order anything you want. I mean, yeah. we're talking big poles, like 20, 30 feet tall. Yeah. Um, but also we have the small yard poles. And then uh, in flags, we have, you know, we, we have state flags. We have athletic flags, the Titans and the Predators and those kind of things. And we have the Gadsden flag, which is the... Uh, uh, rattlesnake in the middle, don't tread on me, that was used during the Revolutionary War. Yeah. And then we have uh, just a variety of different fl- state flags and uh, uh, military flags, Air Force, Army, Marines, Coast Guard. Uh, wow. Navy. You have airborne yeah. flags? Uh, you know, if they We ha- didn't have one. <laughs> if, if they have one, we could get it, but yeah. we probably don't have it in stock. No, 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 no. Uh, I- 
I, I I don't remember any flag just for us. I mean, there is different. a flag out there now. We don't have a we don't have one of, but I'm sure we could order, which just says uh, "We honor veterans" and it has a red star in the middle of it. Yeah, in a red tri uh, rectangle. It's a real pretty. Some of the banks are flying that. What would you say is the most stirring flag ever? Uh, and it is a U.S. flag. But the one that I remember the most is Mount Sarabachi when the Marines raised that flag. It just, it still gets me. When that picture was taken, and of course they didn't develop them there, they just rolled the film and then mailed them in. Yeah. And they didn't print them until they got in, you know, in the States. And that picture was accused of being staged. And it was only because there was another photographer there who had film of yeah. the whole thing that they verified the picture was at, was actually authentic and exactly what happened as opposed to being something that was staged and put up. Yeah. But, Iwo Jima. Yep. Unbelievable. Not a, not a hard landing there. Uh, the yeah. beach landing was not that bad, but then when they got in where they were dug in, it was terrible. Yeah, it was almost like the... Um, suicide when, when you got into certain areas it was yep. those guys were unbelievable and I, um, I think that um, uh, all of our service guys from from the very beginning in the late 1700s all the way uh, up to today's date they all are our, are my special heroes and and uh, it, it really makes a, um, when when I see a movie, that really catches my, uh, I don't know if there's one that's more uh, breathtaking than any other. I, I just, I, I can't stand not to watch them, but Saving Private Ryan, just that beachhead, uh, D-Day, it's still, uh, I, I can't watch it. My wife's f father lied about his age, went into the Marines in April of 1942, right after yeah. Pearl Harbor, when he was 15. Yeah. And he was in the Pacific Island invasions out there. And he said that the uh, that beach scene of Saving Private Ryan was the most realistic and authentic presentation of a beach landing he'd ever seen. He said that yeah. is the way it was. And uh, they had some veterans who actually had to leave uh, World War II veterans, when they when that started playing, they they got up and had to leave. Oh, I'm sure. Theater. Bless their hearts. But, now you um, let, let's go, let's go back to to the Bibles. You were telling me something this morning that I, I didn't even realize you could do. But tell me about um, when you start losing your um, the outer part of the Bible. Yep. Yeah. We, we have uh, a service where we rebind books. Yeah. Okay? It could be a Bible. It could be some other book that you have that you want to save, mm -hmm. uh, whatever else. And, and you can go anywhere from, from bonded leather to imitation leather to genuine leather. And, of course, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm one like if you're going to redo it, redo it right. Yeah. But uh, we send that off. And at times, most of the time, if you want them to save the cover, they can save the cover, mm -hmm. and they remount the cover on a, on another binding, and then they uh, rebind the entire book. So they take the old binding off and they <clears throat> rebind it and put it on, and uh, it comes back. It it it's better than new. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Now there is a consideration that some people have to have in the 1870s, along about 1875, 76, they changed the way they made paper. And it wasn't that, that it was any better, it was just this is new. So they, so they made an acid uh, process paper. Hmm. And if you get paper from the 1700s, early 1800s, it'll be fine, it's fine. But the acid wash paper that they have only lasts about 100 to 120 years, and then it just crumbles to dust. Wow. So um, I had to, as a history major, I had to do research in the uh, records of uh, battlefield communications, and there's a whole series that the government 
printed where they collected all those battlefield communications, Confederate and Union, mm -hmm. and they published them all. And they were done about 1877 or so. And literally, those books are just crumbling to dust when you try to open them up. Oh, wow. With, um, with electronic, they've been able to save a lot of them, of course, on electronic stuff. But, uh, but the older books, now there is a way, it's, it's very expensive and it's not worth it for most books. But you can take a book apart and put the pages, if they're not too far gone, you can put the pages in a special wash that neutralizes the acid. And then you bring them out and then they'll last about 200 years. Yeah, but um, what's the oldest Bible you've ever seen uh, at your at the shop? At, at we the had house? we had one in there at one time that was done in sixteen hundreds. Wow! Uh, somebody just brought it in. We didn't sell it, but mm -hmm. they brought it in for us to see and show. And uh, paper was fine in it. You know, it was a nice print. Of course, it was old English. What, are, what, what about the binding? The outer part, though. The, the I guess most of them are leather, leather aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and that one was fine. Yeah. Uh, that binding was fine. It, um, what generally tears Bibles up is, uh, uh, and we sell Bible cases where you can put it in a case and zip mm -hmm. it shut, you know, and, and protect it. Yeah. But what generally tears Bibles up is, you know, throwing them in the back seat or this, that, and the other. Or the other thing that breaks the binding a lot They'll take a pen or a pencil and throw it in the Bible and then close it. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it, it puts pressure on the spine back there and breaks it. Or they'll put a bunch of workbook pages or something in there, uh, paper pages, and, and it puts pressure on the spine and it'll break the spine. Yeah. So, But those are things which can be repaired when you have it rebound. And the rebinding process is not cheap. You know, it'll run anywhere from 75 to $120. Well, that's not bad. But for a... Uh, are, are most of them um, family-type uh, Bibles where they have the history of a certain family, all those... A lot uh, of them are. Hundreds of years. They'll, you know, the cover will be coming off or something, and so they'll bring them in, and we can take those, and they take the cover off, save the cover, and remount it, mm -hmm. and then redo the redo the binding on it. It's really nice. My my mother, uh, Marie DeHoff, had, uh, she was a turner, she had seven brothers and one sister. By the time they got down to her in the family Bible, she was in the margin going up the page because they, oh. they ran out of room for everybody else. Did, so, they, did they have the birth date and all the other things yeah. and, and, and uh, when the they date married, that they... When, when her parents were married. Oh, and, the, uh, the special occasions also. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty yeah. neat. Were you in the family Bible? Uh, in our family Bible, I was, but my dad bought a, uh, it was one of those Franklin Mint Bibles or something. It was a reproduction of the Queen Anne's Psalter. Mm -hmm. And it has these incredible engraved pages in it and uh, just magnificently beautiful. Yeah. And uh, so we did a uh, we did a family history in that thing. It was a reprint of the. I don't know, 16 or 1700 Bible. Uh, it's it's sort of what I would call a uh, uh, an altar Bible size. It was a large size Bible, mm -hmm. but uh, incredibly interesting. What if you're in the uh, family Bible and you don't really have a birth certificate? Is that still legal? Well, when my mother, in her 60s mm -hmm. or 70s, I forget which. When she first applied, no, in her 60s, when she first applied for a passport, mm -hmm. she didn't have a birth certificate, okay, because she was born in 1915 in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And so she has to get, she had to get two affidavits from people who were older than her, all right? And so she got her brothers, two of her brothers, to write in. And, they, and then she had to get a copy of her birth certificate from Ohio. Well, when mm -hmm. she got the birth certificate, it just said, uh, Baby Turner didn't have her name on it. She just said Baby Turner, and because they never went back and put the name on her birth certificate, so she had to she had to get letters from her brother certifying that she was who she said she was, and that was when she was born, and, and they issued the passport. But that's amazing because a lot of people back older than me, some they didn't have birth certificates. Yeah, they were born in houses, and they just yeah. never bothered with it. Yeah. And, that's amazing to me because um, I remember 
I saw some of my family members, their names were in Bibles. Oh, gosh, it goes back, I don't know, back in the 1800s. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, there's nothing that will draw your attention more than a family um, history in the yeah especially in, in a bible because they will write all these things that mean a lot to them in there it, it was like reading a history book sometimes it was just unbelievable one of my mother's nephews who lived in Florida came in to visit he said I brought y'all something and this is in the 70s before you had internet and all this sort of stuff mm -hmm. And the he, good days. He slapped down a report that he had researched the background of the family 36 generations. Oh, my goodness. From William the Conqueror all the way to current. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how in the world did you? He said, well, he said, to be honest, he said, by the time you got back to the uh, early 1800s, 1700s, I hit a family in Virginia that had already been done. And from then it was already, you know, it was just straight back. But it was fascinating looking through that thing when you, uh, you know, you see people you're related to and people who are in the line that, you know, the uh, the movie A Line in Winter that uh, they made about the two sons. Well, they had a sister, mm -hmm. and that we descended through that sister out of that family. Wow. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see who's there and... and uh, some of them they had full names for, and some other, particularly some of the wives, they just had a first name, and that was all. Mm -hmm. But, well, did you have any in the family that had a long criminal history? You know, they did. Or I was wondering if they would just uh, erase those. They didn't flag it if it was. Oh, <laughs> might have just had the name with no explanation. Yeah, but uh, but but even uh, those, I mean, I think we've all got uh, history similar to that and uh, that's some of the more fascinating things that you can read there are there are some interesting things back there that happened um, my uh, father's father was a uh, I don't know if he was in the Civil War or not he died in 1919 and uh, he got us he worked at a, a lumber mill making white oak staves which are the sides of barrels you mm -hmm. know Dad said he's making those for milk, you know, to put milk in. You sure uh, is milk. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's whiskey. But uh, he got a splinter, literally got a splinter in his hand, mm -hmm. and it got infected and uh, uh, went systemic and killed him. And he, uh, Dad said he used to hold a handful of, of uh, sulfa pills or penicillin and say, you know, that could have saved him, but they didn't know about that at that time. They didn't have any way to know it. Yeah. When my mother was older... She'd always wanted to go to Hawaii, so she went to she went to Hawaii with my two sisters, mm -hmm. and they were gone like five days, and I never heard from them. Didn't know what was going on, you know. So, and finally, she calls, and I said, "Well, Mom, what have you done?" Well, we did this helicopter tour, and we did that helicopter tour. Now she's like 85 years old at this point. Yeah, and uh, I said, "Well, what have you liked best?" She said, "You know what I liked best was the parasailing." Hmm. I said, you didn't go parasailing. She said, well, I most certainly did. He said it was the oldest person he'd ever done parasailing. She said, it's great. You should try it sometime. So she was still doing things. Don't you love that? Uh, you, you never get old w w when you've got that type of energy and do some of these remarkable things that usually only young people do. When she was young, she grew up on the, in Soda County, Ohio, which is right across from Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And if they wanted to go over to Kentucky, the only way they could do that was on the railroad bridge. So they would walk across the railroad bridge, and if a train came along, they would just lay down beside the track, and the train would go over, and then they'd get up and continue walking. You know, they'd have yeah. a cow if you did that now, but that was the way they did it then. So, You know, I find those stories fascinating. There's a lady here from Brooklyn, New York, and I love to talk to her because she's, she talks about the Brooklyn Dodgers and and all the things that they had back. I'm not going. Well, nobody knows uh, her name. Uh, it, it, she she's in her mid 80s. Yeah. And she remembers things that we take for granted that we were the only ones that had those things. We did not have running water when I was growing up. We had no electricity. Um, we we would heat it, uh, we would heat with coal, 
in um, no air condition whatsoever. Uh, the ice in the in the ice box, of course, was ice that was would be delivered to your home usually. Although there's a place out here on East Main Street where uh, they uh, had ice that my dad and mom and I we would go over there and get it for our ice box. But uh, she said that they even had uh, uh, outside toilets right. up there. And, and I, yeah, and I never would have dreamed that for a city like New York. You think that they were far and away updated uh, when they were comparing to us. Yeah. But you listen to those stories, and uh, you know. They weren't too far away from us during those times. I think they had uh, televisions much much before we had. But when you, just like this year, it's been so hot and so humid. Right. But yet, we, we did not have air conditioning in any of the buildings, including, including school buildings. A lot of the people up north don't have air conditioning at all because it just doesn't get that hot that often. And this summer has nearly killed some of them. But... Uh, I heard somebody comment that the downfall of the South, they're being a little facetious here, was when air conditioning came in. Because prior to that time, Yankees would not come South because it was too hot in the wintertime, in the summertime. And with air conditioning, it gave them a nice, cool place to stay. So then the North invaded the South again, and they had all these all these people coming down from the North. And some people got upset about it. And it's like, you know, we're all one country. We should all live together. But well, you know that there is an exodus from most of the northern states and a lot of the western states into the southeast right now because. Um, As far as I'm concerned, we've always lived in heaven down here compared to the other place because everybody had, uh, most of them have love in their hearts and they love their neighbors and and, uh, they want to be around them. And now people are just absolutely just flocking down here. It's it's almost like we need to put up a, um, uh, with with Donald Trump putting that uh, big, what do you call it? The um, what is that? I don't know what the big uh, 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 when you're da- damming up the area from Mexico into here and uh, yeah, yeah, we we need one of those. <laughs> need a border. Thing. Yeah. You know, when I was living in Houston, we had a lot of people from California and New York that were coming down to Houston. Yeah. And same thing here. There was a yeah. lot of people. Uh, we had a couple move in across the street from us. Who yeah. Were, from uh, California, and but the first thing she said, she said, uh, Terry said, well, "Where are you from?" And they said, "Well, we're from California, but we're not like most Californians." I mean, she immediately tagged that on. We all, we start breathing better, <laughs> a little bit of a relief. I thought it was funny because we lived in California for a while when I was with Occidental Petroleum. Yeah, but uh, it's of course a, we welcome everybody in here. Yeah, and and I, and I, I think that's important because. Once they see how people live here and the attitude for other people, I think it. Uh, I think it, that's the reason they're coming down here to start with. They well, want to be like us. Lady came down here from somewhere up north. I forget. And she said she absolutely loved it here. Yeah. And my wife's like, well, what is it about you? And she said, well, what I love is the fact that you can be an open Christian. Yeah. And Terry said, what? And she said. Where I came from, you could not, if you were a Christian, you could not convey that to other people or you'd get squelched. You know, you you could even lose your job. And no wonder said, the media is like it is. She said, here, not only can you be a Christian, but you can openly discuss it and and uh, be proud of it and nobody's going to look down on you for doing it. Yeah. You know, or you're not going to lose your job at risk. That was an interesting perspective. We don't push it on people, but it's nice to know that uh, they have that uh, uh, mindset of Open going set. back to uh, the things that you and I were have been taught in our from the day one. I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty special. I had somebody talk to me. He's like, "I'm not going to have somebody cramming their religion down my throat." And I went, "Now wait a minute. What are you doing right now?" talking to me like that Mm -hmm. 
what you are doing is you are cramming your religion down my throat. <laughs> and he said, no, no, that's not the same. You know, just because I don't believe in God, that doesn't mean it's a religion. <laughs> well, I mean, but the approach is the same, you know. And I, Now, there are people that are obnoxious about it. Yeah. And uh, you, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be that way. But, uh, you know, an open discussion on what's going on with varied opinions. And, of course, today you got a big problem with cancel culture. Yeah. You know, somebody says, well, they... We're not going to use their business. We're not going to uh, associate with them. We're not going to have anything to do with them because they disagree with us on something. I'm like, can you imagine someone who has that way of looking at things? They have no future. They don't understand that. Well, they're just, you know, it's it's sad. But uh, as my dad used to say, when arguing with a fool, be certain he is not similarly engaged. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> your dad had a lot of. Uh, interesting way of uh of um looking at things yeah he said sometimes you'll have somebody will come up and they'll be arguing about something or other and he said you know they're really wanting to pick a fight with you and he said you just look at them and say that's very interesting and then you yeah. just go ahead <laughs> and he said it makes them mad because you don't fight with them about it <laughs> do you have what what i uh uh Bibles for the elderly that you can actually read. Uh, they, they don't have small print because once you get uh, our age, it's very difficult. And no, no matter how uh, your eyes have uh, yeah, there's been a, protected. There's a 24 font uh, large print Bible. Of course, the larger the print is, the more room it takes to put in the book. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about a, a giant huge giant print Bible, it's going to be a pretty good size. Yeah. But they make some, some medium, the, the fonts run from that, which is inordinately large, down to uh, eight point, which is, uh, that's pretty small. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, that'd be a very, almost like a footnote on stuff that you're reading now on the computer. Yeah. But most of the fonts that we're accustomed to would be 10 and 12, uh, like a typewriter Pica is, is probably 12. Mm -hmm. And and you'd have something probably a little smaller than that, or maybe large. Also, the difference in the the uh, thickness of the letters. Mm -hmm. If they're very thin letters, older people have trouble reading them sometimes, and the heavier uh, type style is better. And for some people, when they get older, they lose the ability to see red. So if you have a red letter Bible, they'll be reading through there, and they have trouble reading the red letter part because their their vision is just uh, faded that out. I didn't so, know color had anything to do with that. Yeah. It's, uh, we have a, I used to, people ask me about Bibles, I'd say, well, it's kind of like buying a pair of shoes. What size do you want? Mm -hmm. What color do you want? And what kind of material do you want? Do you want paper? Do you want uh, leather? Do you want bonded leather? Do you want uh, uh, genuine leather? Do you want top uh, top skin or do you want uh, full grain mm -hmm. and uh, all of those different kinds of leathers have an effect on the price some of the best Bible bindings you can get are Cambridge Bibles out of England mm -hmm. and they are just incredible they used to make a pen seal leather Bible and it was the absolute Lamborghini of Bible bindings I mean it was a soft supple leather leather just really nice we put gold stamping, we put names on Bibles, uh, Bible or any other books you want. We had a, somebody recently who brought in a, uh, a pilot logbook, mm -hmm. and they wanted all this information on the front of the logbook, uh, all the aircraft he'd flown and what kind he'd flown and all that sort of thing. And so, you know, with multiple stampings, we put all that on there. But um, it it just is interesting those leathers make a big difference in in what will hold up and what won't first time i did one of those pencil leather bibles i was used to doing the calfskin which is pretty tough i i brought that type down on that pencil leather and burned a hole clean through it and it was so That's, so soft it just i'm having made, a hard time figuring out what the pencil leather is it well it was probably those little white seals that they used to kill you know, and they would make leather out of Ooh. out of out of the seal. Do they skin. still do that? Nope, you can't get it now. Yeah, it's gone. Well, but, that's uh, a good thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, poor little thing. But it, things. it was a good leather. I tell you what, but uh, probably not uh, not socially acceptable at this point. 
Uh, Bibles are great gifts for a lot of different occasions. Uh, it, it could be a, a marriage, it could be a birth, or uh, all of those things that uh, you have great memories for. We have baby Bibles, which people will come in and buy when a baby's born. They'll buy a baby Bible for yeah. them, uh, which is a full Bible mm-hmm. or, or a New Testament sometimes. And uh, you can put their name on the front of it, and then they have that. But uh, a lot of times they'll get them for graduation presents. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll have different uh, aids that are in the Bible. Some will have a concordance uh, which where you can look things up. Some will have a, a center column reference where it'll have a line of verses down the middle. So if it, if it has some reference in a verse there, you can look over there and see other places in the Bible where that same reference is. Mm-hmm. So that's called a center column reference, or sometimes they'll do a footnote reference at the bottom of the page. And uh, those are very useful in terms of interlocking things together, you know, and, and trying to find things. And a concordance in a Bible dictionary is good because you can look at it. Uh, you can say, well, Jesus wept. Now, where was that? You know, and you look up the word wept and you yeah. see that and then you know what verse to go to. It's good to have that, that kind of a, like a... Uh, a map to go back to, to certain books in the Bible. It is. And uh, I think that most, uh, as Church of Christ, we spend more time with the New Testament than we do with the Old Testament. But you have to admit, the Old Testament is pretty it's, graphic and 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 it's it, fascinating. It, it is fascinating. It really is with all the the miracles that uh, occurred uh, during the Old Testament days, from the very beginning to uh, all the way up to um, the New Testament. It is it it it, um, it it takes your breath away sometimes as you're reading it. When I taught high school, one of the classes I taught was early Hebrew history, mm. which was essentially Genesis and Exodus. Yeah. And we'd go through it. You know, I had some guy years later come come in the store, and he said, I had you in high school. You're the best teacher I ever had going on. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that. You know, and he said, he said, but I have never had a study of early Hebrew history like you did. He yeah. said, it was incredible. He said, I still have my notes. And I still use them. And it's a fascinating study. It's amazing how the Old Testament has things in it. And then when you get to the New Testament, it's like recalling some of that in a different way. It builds on that foundation. Yeah. Like uh, Abraham, uh, when uh, he's told by God to uh, take his son up and... uh, Isaac, sacrifice Isaac. And, and sacrifice him. And uh, then you get into Jesus' time, and uh, it, 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 it mirrors a lot of the things that were going on in the Old Testament. When I was living in California, I was teaching a big auditorium class on uh, Genesis. And we were talking about Abraham and the call of Abraham and traveling to the far country and this and the other. So after we finished that Sunday morning class, gentleman come. He said, Paul, I'm Homer Gifford. I said, yeah, I know you are. He said, I'm one of the last people out here who came west in a covered wagon, in a wagon train. I went, you came west in a wagon train? He said, yes. I said, where from? He said, Stillwater, Oklahoma. He said, uh, I was about nine years old, and he said, uh, my brother and I, uh, I, we walked the whole way, mm-hmm. and he said, our job was to leave the camp before the wagon train started and get about a mile out. And our job was to shoot game before the wagon train came along, making all the noise and scared it away. Mm-hmm. And he said, and we would put the game up, you know, and when the wagons came, they'd pick it up, you know, off the... Did he say what kind of game? Well, whatever you could get. Rabbits, yeah. quail, you know, uh, deer. Yeah. Um, but he said, if we didn't shoot anything, we didn't have anything to eat that night, you know. Mm. And so... But he talked about, he said, he said, I didn't want to interrupt you about Abraham walking to the far country, but he said, that was a pretty long walk. And I said, you can interrupt my class anytime you want, you know. And uh, I think there's actually a website out there that discusses him. He's, he's dead now, but uh, he, uh, he was one of the last pioneers in Kern County that uh, came west in a covered wagon. 
So, that's unbelievable. Yep. The people back in those days, they they were, they had to be sturdy. They were tough. Yeah, to put up with what they did during all that time, and uh, we can't even relate to it. Uh, people in today's world, they they kind of. Uh, uh, they don't reach out to them in a positive way because they don't understand it. I mean, people in today, uh, for the most part, things are just so easy for everyone. But um, when you listen to them, oh, it's just awful in today's world and all that. We're blessed. This is uh, from the late, uh, say, the mid-1940s on into today's world uh we we've had it easy compared to all those others yeah it's unbelievable and and you can't put yourself in say in into the 1700s or 1800s or the early 1900s we we've become too judgmental over things that we don't even have a a feeling for it whatsoever well people don't even tolerate listening to an opinion now yeah they uh or if you make an opinion and they decide it doesn't agree with, they just cut you off. And uh, we got a bunch no of Adolf discussion. Hitlers around here, don't we? So, apparently, some. Yeah, it's just but. it's just unbelievable. The news media, it just uh, it, it's awful in, in today's world. Well, and the uh, you know you'll hear a lot of commentary in with what's supposed to be news reporting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not uncommon whether you agree with it or not. It's not uncommon for people like, well, all the false. Uh, accusations that Trump made about uh, irregularities in voting. Yeah. Well, well, that's commentary. Yeah. You know, there were Ill- irregularities in voting. Yeah. There and were. to say that it was false is to just discredit everything, which some of which was true. Yeah. And uh, but that's the opinion. Just, that's just think of the type of history we're passing down to uh, our kids and grandkids. Yeah. But. Um, it's a sad, sad thing that we're looking at now, and that's the harshest part of today's world is uh, finding things that are actually accurate and and not painting a picture that is completely false. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of that right now. And that's a lot of people now are doing more homeschooling than yeah. they used to because with the uh, COVID and private schooling. Yeah, and private school because with COVID being at home, they're suddenly aware of what's being taught in some of the schools, and they're like, I- "I'm not putting up with that." Yeah, and, and uh, we're and and <laughs> our schools are forced to take whatever they're passing down for our kids to learn, and unfortunately, the the monies from Washington and Nashville are causing a really bad split. In, in our country as far as the history is concerned. Well, there's a difference between education and indoctrination. Yeah. And uh, the indoctrination part of it, um, Mark Levin just wrote a book called American Marxism, mm-hmm. where he discusses the approach of Marxism that's being incorporated into the American system yeah. uh, through education and a bunch of other things. It's a very interesting book. And he... Uh, it's not an easy read. Mark was uh, Assistant Solicitor General under uh, Reagan, and he argued all the cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And so he's in, inordinately educated, and his analytical abilities are just incredible. But uh, he's he's very effective in his presentation of what he does. Yeah, and the sad thing about it is there's a, a large groups of people that want to just absolutely ban those type of uh, right. uh, books that we have had uh, a pleasure to read. And unfortunately, reading is... It's becoming a lost art. It is a lost Going art. Going the way of uh, cursive handwriting, uh, I think they have just reinstituted a requirement that students have to learn script handwriting. They discontinued that several years ago. My, they sure did. One of my my oldest son, when he writes his name, is like block kindergarten letters. He never learned script writing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. I would have taught it that myself. But um, I saw him later on. Thought, Why do you? Well, I never learned. I never learned uh, handwriting like that. You know. And I thought, oh my goodness. It's kind of artistic when you think about it. You remember Judge Buckner, of course, one of the finest judges I've ever known. 
He had the most beautiful handwriting of anybody I've ever seen in my life. And he used a, a broad tip pen that was beautiful yeah. in the flourish and the way it, it wasn't yeah. like a... I've heard older people say they don't like ball... Uh, I mean, really older people say they didn't like ballpoint pens because it runs away with them. Yeah. Well, the ballpoint, I heard, is one of the things that ruined handwriting because when you had a... A fountain pen, it had resistance to the writing. Mm -hmm. So your handwriting was was overcoming the resistance of the letters, you know, yeah. as you're going. And when they put ballpoint pens, it made it flow real fast, and there was no virtually no resistance on the handwriting. So the handwriting becomes almost illegible unless you make a special effort to. Uh, you wouldn't have those at it. your uh, de Hoff's. Uh, a bookstore, would you? We we do have some specific pens that are made for underlining in Bibles and that sort of thing in mm -hmm. different widths. Yeah, uh, you can you can get them from uh, 0.01 to 0.8 or something or other, a more broad tip, mm -hmm. and they're really good for uh, underlining. And they're made so they don't bleed through the page of the India paper. Oh wow! And uh, I re I remember those when I was in school. In in the first few grades, yeah. they had ink pens. Yep. Oh, I, I wish I had some. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Paul Dehoff. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hello, this is Greg Tidwell from Bell Jewelers. There's nothing like the sparkle of a Bell Jewelers diamond. That's something my father said a long time ago, and we honor that tradition today by picking just the most beautiful diamonds for our Murfreesboro customers. My father, Blake Tidwell, said... Bell Jewelers can't do it, no one can. Bell Jewelers at 821 Northwest Broad Street. We're across the street from Toots. We're open 10 to 6 during the week, 10 to 5 on Saturday, and close most Sundays. Ow, that hurts. What is that? It must be the mosquitoes. Why are they swarming around us? Because you set up our tent next to a pond. Oh, I need something for these bites. How about the summer instant games from the Tennessee Lottery? If you win, maybe the next place we vacation won't be next to a pond. Hey, can you scratch this for me? Your back? No, the ticket. Play the summer instant games with chances to win up to $1 million. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. You'd be amazed to learn what one Tennessee lottery ticket can lead to. For you, it could be lucky, but for others, it could open the door to so much more. With more than $6 billion raised for education, the Tennessee Lottery has proudly funded over 1.5 million scholarships and grants. That means, on average, more than 130,000 Tennesseans every year continue their education just because you played. The Tennessee Education Lottery, game-changing, education-benefiting fun. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. The state wants parents to decide whether wearing a mask is right for their students while at school. Tennessee House Speaker Cameron Sexton said yesterday he'll ask the governor to call a special session if schools issue mask mandates. Sexton called closing schools unacceptable. The Republican lawmaker said the focus should be on keeping students in school and boosting their test scores. Meanwhile, being out of school due to COVID-19 is apparently having a negative impact on students. Results from the Tennessee Comprehensive Assessment Program administered last spring showed a learning loss in every content area in every grade. Districts that offered in-person learning opportunities experienced less decline. Tennessee Education Commissioner Penny Schwinn said there were double-digit losses in math and science. 
Club members from Siegel Middle School scored a pair of top five finishes at the National Beta Convention. The victories included first place in the Performing Arts Solo Duo Trio category. The first place team included McKenna Elliott, Samantha Festervand, and Reese Lynham, and they beat out more than 30 schools competing in person and even more virtual entries. Fellow eighth grader Noah Wright took third in social studies. It was the second year in a row Wright placed at the National Convention. He was third in the seventh grade competition last year. In nearby Williamson County, Williamson Medical Center is pushing for more people to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Officials there say they've seen a 633% increase in COVID-19 patients over the last three weeks. The hospital says 95% of its COVID patients weren't vaccinated. Williamson Medical Center currently has more than 20 COVID-19 patients, with seven needing critical care. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. For 80 years, Roscoe Brown has been the trusted name in heating, cooling, and plumbing for Middle Tennessee homeowners and businesses. Throughout the years, our number one goal has been to accurately assess your HVAC and plumbing systems. With four locations in Middle Tennessee, we provide 24-7 assistance by calling 1-888-MY-ROSCOE. Turn to the experts at Carrier and Roscoe Brown. People you know, a name you trust. RoscoeBrown.com. Roscoe Brown. RoscoeBrown.com. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights. Showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline 896-4100 or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn, pop, fresh daily their movie hotline 896-4100 or go see a movie.com premiere six on broad in jackson heights from nhc's adams place home of premier senior living on memorial boulevard it's the truman show on news radio wgns fm 100.5 and 101.9 am 1450 and streaming at wgnsradio.com and welcome back with Paul DeHoff and uh, DeHoff's, uh, uh, what was that, is it the bookstore or? or wh- well, it's DeHoff Publications, DeHoff, Publications. Cr- DeHoff okay. Christian Bookstore. Okay, yeah. and uh, we were talking about a subject of uh, Primitive Baptists that I had never heard. And tell me a little bit about their um, uh, battle with the Supreme Court. Well, there's a, a college called Hillsdale College. Yeah. If you're not familiar with it, you can go out on the website. They have a tremendous website there. Uh, but they uh, they were started by Primitive Baptists there in Michigan, mm-hmm. and they uh, had us. The IRS came in and and they said they had to abide by certain government guidelines, which they didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. And they said we don't have to. We don't take any government funding. And so. Uh, they said, well, you have to abide by it anyway. So they went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. They lost in the lower courts, and the Supreme Court said, you know, if they don't accept government funding, they don't have to abide by it. So yeah. the IRS lost. Well, then they came back with a different twist on it. said, well, veterans are coming here, and if they come into the GI Bill, then you're accepting government money, and therefore you have to do it. They said, well, we don't accept any government money. You know, we don't have if, – if a GI wants to come here – we will match whatever he would have gotten under the GI Bill, mm-hmm. and we will give him those scholarships, but not from government sources. And they went all the way to the Supreme Court again, and IRS lost again. And then they had a third time they went up. I don't even remember what it was, but IRS lost the third time. And uh, somebody was joking and said, well, if they'd realized they were dealing with primitive Baptists, they wouldn't have started that fight to start with, you know, because they're very, <laughs> very dedicated to what they're doing. And... Uh, but they require every student to take American history and constitutional studies. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are very American government-oriented, and they educate their students to be able to address these crazy arguments that people come up with. But now they're also beginning to start uh, schools across the country that are like K through 12 or K through 8, K through 12, mm-hmm. and uh, through Hillsdale College and what they're doing. And they, they have just done a tremendous work in terms of being independent and promoting Americanism. And they'll have, uh, 
they they publish a newsletter called Imprimus. And if you want to get it, you can get it for free. All you have to do is just tell them you want it. They'll send it to you for free. They send out millions of those things every every time they have an issue. And um, who, was, who was making an issue out of that to start with? It's usually not the the government. It's somebody that doesn't like the way that things are. Maybe they don't even like religion. You never yeah, know about that. I, I don't know the origin of it. I don't. Yeah. I may have known it one time, but I don't remember. Yeah. But they, uh, you know, they're very effective. They have speakers come in. They have like uh, Margaret Thatcher come in and and speak, wow. and, and Winston Churchill came and spoke. I mean, they have just incredibly uh, knowledgeable people who come in, and they'll address different topics. They had one recently on. Uh, uh, the uh, race theory that they're doing, you know, the critical critical race theory. Yeah. And guy came in and addressed that. And when you read the Imprimus, he lays out what it is, what the arguments are on it, where the fallacies are on it, uh, pro and con. And it's just incredibly educational to read that that uh, publication Imprimus, uh, yeah. which means that's Latin for in the first place. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really good. That's amazing so, that that uh, someone can you imagine anybody taking the time in today's world and following up on that uh, the, the, all the things that are going on that uh, are either been forced upon us or whatever and and see what the the logic is behind it and who's actually pushing those things. They will they will address the uh, current issue in their imprimis publications when they put them out and it, it's it, I read it every time it comes in and it's highly educational yeah and it's very objective it's not dogmatic but it uh, but it relates the truth of what's going on and uh, and uh, it's reliable in in what it is and and they're from uh, you know they're from reliable sources who know what they're talking about mm. they're not just jumping off the cuff about something they're they're knowledgeable it would be nice that the public school system, as as they receive these type things, that educated people would look into it and be able to pass the truth of those particular things that are going on and not just force it upon the kids who, um, you know, you're, you're so well, you open-minded. Have a, you have a moldable mind. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you're open to suggesting on things, and you have... You know, we've we've had a, a tremendous loss in the university system because you had a very liberal-oriented group who came in. Yeah. And that's not to say we don't need liberals. That would be fine. But they've gotten to the point where they only hire liberals, and if you're a conservative, you're not going to get hired. Yeah. So it perpetuates itself, and it keeps going deeper and deeper. And now it's gotten to the point where some of them are just socialist Marxists in what they're doing. And uh, that's back to Mark Levin's book of uh, American Market Marxism, where he exposes what their terminology is and what it is that they're really trying to do. Uh, they're not trying to be tolerant or understand. They're trying to shut down the other side completely. And uh, so it's, it's a real tragedy when we don't have discussion anymore. Wouldn't it be terrible if there was only communist and socialist governments in the world it'd be bad can you imagine what kind of damage that would do yeah and of course at some time they would collapse they've all collapsed there's yeah. never been one that hasn't collapsed uh and uh they uh the civil wars would run rampant across the world i think they would it's unbelievable yeah. All right, tell me some more about the, the things that you've got over at, at the uh, publication. Well, we have a lot of good uh, reference books. For example, uh, there are commentaries on the Bible, which what the commentary does is it takes the text and then it will give somebody's opinion on what that means or considerations that you want to look at in terms of doing that. My, my dad, George DeHoff, wrote a six-volume commentary on the whole Bible, mm -hmm. and it's done in a style where it has the the Bible text on the top of the page and the comments on the bottom. Yeah. And um, Jim Bill McIntyre over at uh, 20th Century Christian in Nashville, who's a very prominent minister at West End, said he would look at all these different commentaries, the German commentaries and everything else, and he said, in, and then after I got through reading all the complicated ones, he said, I would go read George DeHoff's, and inevitably there was some thought 
in there that was really worth worth getting in in the picture. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, my dad used to joke that the commentary's greatest asset was its greatest weakness, and that is that it's brief. He said, you look at it and say, well, that's not particularly profound. I could have thought of that myself. He said, yeah, but you didn't, you know. Yeah. And he said, uh, it's written for the common man, somebody who just wants to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. In his other book, uh, the Hoff's Bible Handbook, is a summary of every book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it goes from one page to four pages, depending on how complicated the book is. And uh, it gives the background, the history, who, who wrote it, some of the... Uh, things related to the book, and then it does a summary outline of the book. And it, it's an extremely useful reference book because you can look at it, like say you're going to go read Luke, mm -hmm. uh, you can look at that, and then you, you sort of know what's going on and what the theme is as you're going into it, which fits it all together. And what about if you're reading, going to read Revelations? Well, it's got revelation in there. <laughs> uh, my dad used to say, if, if somebody tells you they can translate all of Revelation and explain to you what it all means. He said, just look at them and say, that's very interesting, and then go on your way. Yeah. He said, don't even argue with them about it. <laughs> it's the toughest book in the Bible as far as I'm concerned. Others, I'm sure, would, would and, deny that. A lot of people put an S on it, and there is no S. It's yeah. not Revelations. Mm -hmm. It's Revelation. Mm -hmm. And uh, so sometimes we'll have some fun with that kind of stuff. But uh, I do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, more stuff. Uh, well, we have a lot of uh, uh, concordances and dictionaries. Now, concordance, you can buy a full concordance that's just like a uh, 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 old collegiate dictionary used to be. Mm -hmm. A lot of this stuff's online, but you can still get the books. And the, a concordance, you look up a word in it, and then it will give you the verses and references where that word is used in the Bible. Yeah. So if you're trying to find something, you know, you can look up the word and do it. And then a dictionary gives you the uh, biblical definition of what's going in there. You know, if you, and, and of course, different translations, it's an advantage sometimes to have multiple translations. There's one passage that, in the King James that says, Jesus died as a propitiation for our sins. Most people wouldn't know what propitiation means, so you go to a dictionary and they'd tell you. Mm -hmm. But you read the New International and it says he died as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And most people would understand an atoning sacrifice. It's, yeah. it's actually a little deeper than that, but that's a little more comprehensive in understanding than what propitiation would be. Yeah. But uh, it's a matter of learning the words and the language and what's going on. Eudora Welty, who was a very famous authoress in... Uh, Mississippi and uh, sold untold millions of books. Um, mm -hmm. She said one of the biggest tragedies that the U.S. had was the loss of using the King James Version. She said because the King James Version of the Bible was for most people the only high English exposure they had. Mm -hmm. Most of them were pretty common. Uh, to give you an example, the Reader's Digest is written on the seventh grade level. Okay, uh, King James Bible was written on the 12th grade level. And she said what it did was it pulled them to a higher level of English and a higher standard of English. Mm -hmm. And when we quit using that, then they've regressed back and they don't have anything pulling them to a higher standard of English. And so they're, you know, the English itself suffers from it, in her opinion. Yeah. And uh, it's a very interesting observation. But we have different translations and we have uh, children's Bibles that have. They're oriented, uh, you can have them oriented toward younger children or toward teenagers. They'll have different pictures in it, different things to try to uh, keep them interested in what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we have baby Bibles, which people will buy for a newborn baby. And we can put names on those and that sort of thing, as we mentioned earlier. And uh, so it's uh, the print can run from large print to medium print to a small print. Mm -hmm. And you can, get a, you can get a regular, what I would guess would classify as a regular book size New Testament that's pretty large print. Mm -hmm. Now you can't, if you get a whole Bible like that, it's going to be so thick and so big that it's it's a whole different size. But you're going to miss so much if you do that. Well, that's true. But, but I, uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I, I used to have a used to have a joke when I was show, showing people, I said, now, we have Bibles in different colors, of course. we got brown, mm -hmm. black, blue, white, 
and uh, I'd pull out a red Bible, and I said, there are many people who like this red Bible right here, uh, the color red. I said, because then they can say that their Bible is red every day. Oh, you I know? got you. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, I see where you're going. One of these there. John Blankenship uh, <laughs> jokes. But um, uh, it's important for people to have not just access to the Bible, but sometimes to have a different translation available so that they can read it in one one uh, version and then look over and read it in another and see how it compares. Yeah. And uh, and then you have summaries. Uh, there are some some that are not translations, but it's a summary of the Bible. Uh, and those are still out there, too. So it's interesting to see what's going on. And, of course, we have little... Um, Gift things like you'd give in Sunday school and that sort of thing, uh, from pencils and bookmarks, special bookmarks and uh, trinkets and and all different kinds of things like that, mm -hmm. which you could use for gifts. Uh, for you know, a Sunday school teacher can come in and get get a set of gifts for their kids if they want to give them something, and and a lot of those things. You still have groups that will come in and uh, want to purchase a a lot of Bibles so that they can hand them out to um, motels, hotels. And well, the Gideons, of course, are the big group for hotels and right. motels. And they have their own publication company and their own group that they deal with mm -hmm. going out there. We do have uh, high schools that will come in and they'll buy, they'll buy a Bible for every graduating senior. And they'll have their name. Wow, the high schools are doing that. Well, so, uh, some of the Christian high schools. Yeah. Okay. And and they'll have their name put on it, and uh, they'll give every graduating senior a new Bible with their name on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's it's a good gesture in terms of what's going on. And while some people might not use them, at least it's there available if they want it or they need it. Why are a lot of uh, private schools? Schools that are uh, basically uh, Christian schools. Uh, everywhere, I mean, it, it might, I mean, we've seen that here. Middle Tennessee Christian School, which is basically uh, Church of Christ, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Then we've got a Presbyterian school here and things like that. Why do uh, certain uh, groups that are uh, are religious backgrounds. Why why are they the ones that are reaching out to the kids because they feel like there has to be a need for it? Well, I think that there's been there's been an overemphasis on we don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. Okay. And uh, if if somebody's going to be upset or somebody's going to be offended by it, then we can't do it. And that's not true. Yeah. You know, there are some people that are hypersensitive or hyper whatever problem. And that is their problem they need to deal with. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't become everybody else's problem. Yeah. We shouldn't deprive everybody else of, of uh, the benefits that they would receive because one person doesn't like it. I mean, I remember getting on Southwest Airlines and they're like, um, we won't have any peanuts today because we have somebody on board who's allergic to peanuts. And therefore, we won't be serving any peanuts. Well, that's fine. I understand that. Um, but, you know, if you're going to go out and outlaw peanuts because somebody's allergic to peanuts, that's a little bit overboard. You yeah. Know? And that's, in effect, what's happening in some of these things. You're finding things uh, completely outlawed and banned, and you, you can't, you know, you're forbidden to do it because... It might offend somebody. Well, it, it, maybe it offends me that they're, that they're trying to push that attitude toward it. But offending me is not a problem. Okay, It's the other person that has to be accommodated, uh, not, not me. You know? We've seen a lot of that go through the Supreme Court. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, just because uh, we, we remember when uh, a lady did not want her son to be part of the the prayer and and some of the other things that we would reach out to in in even in patriotic ways uh, so you have one or two people that they're going to protect but the they're not protecting the others who want to learn those things right well the constitution talks about that they'll have freedom uh and free exercise of religion. Yeah. Okay. And 
And what some people want is not freedom of religion. They want freedom from religion. Yeah. And it's impossible to have freedom from religion because if you imposed freedom from religion, then what you're doing is you're supporting the religious belief that they don't want any religion. Yeah. That in itself is a religious belief. Mm-hmm. It's their fervent belief. And so is the government going to support that to the exclusion of everything else? It's a balancing act. And uh, so in terms of the government, the government cannot prevent the free exercise of religion, but uh, there are people who want it to shut down. They want to say, well, it's government, therefore you can't have a cross on any government land. You can't have anything else because that, uh, that's forbidden by the Constitution, which it is not. Um, the the government it's not the government's job to shut down religion it's the government's job to uh, assure that there's free exercise thereof mm-hmm. and they're trying to say that well uh, we want our atheist religion or our non-belief religion imposed by the government to the exclusion of Christianity or Muslim or Hindu or whatever other religion it is and uh, we want the government to shut them down in favor of our beliefs, yeah, and uh, it, it's you know hopefully not going to happen. It has happened in some areas, but we're finding it's coming back some. So it, it's a shame that, uh, of course, Warren was supposed to be a, a fairly conservative. Yeah, it didn't uh, work out that way. It, it sure didn't. And how 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 in the world could they interpret things? so much different than what it was originally intended for. Well, there are two different main approaches to the Constitution. One is that the Constitution is is the document you follow, what it says it says, and that's what it means. Yeah. Then you have somebody years later came up with the idea of it's a living Constitution, okay? When they talk about things, uh, we would include things in that today which they wouldn't have included at that time. You know, uh, we would include... uh, rights in there which they never dreamed of having but but we now have and we're going to include that as part of the constitution mm-hmm. uh constitutionally and then uh, the uh, constitution itself uh the living constitution thing is kind of like well judge justice would say well the constitution means whatever i feel like it means today yeah uh, if i feel like it means this and that's what it means and it doesn't really matter what the historical context is on it and uh so Hopefully we'll pull back some from that. Scalia was the only one. I mean, he was extremely bright. He was sharp. And and he would follow the Constitution as it was written and tell why. And yes. it, I, he was the most remarkable one that I've known in my lifetime. His opinions were just incredible. Yeah. You could read those and be educated on every one you read. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to wrap up the show, Paul. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I, I have a history lesson today. Hey, I'll take it with me. And you learned about paper, and uh, well, paper I learned a little bit. Falls about apart, and paper that stays together. So it shouldn't have had acid in it to start with. They <laughs> should have known. Right. All right, guys, we'll see you in the morning at nine. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.